0: Welcome to Dornsife Trojan Talk, your direct source for student stories, experiences, and insight from the USC Dornsife College of Letters, Arts, and Sciences at the University of Southern California. Brought to you by the USC Dornsife Office of Admission and Student Success, and your hosts, Mark and Anusha. All right, everybody, welcome back to Dornsife Troden Talk. This is Mark and Anusha here with our fourth episode. I can't believe we're already three episodes down. Anusha, we have almost 400 plays on our episodes. Is that wild or what? I don't
1: know. That's so exciting. I Thought after me talking about banana and ketchup that first episode, no one was going to come back.
0: But maybe more people came back because of that. So uh, I do want to say thank you to all of our listeners who have made the first few episodes uh, so successful, and we're really looking forward to this episode today, as well as our last episode for our fall semester, and then we'll be back in the spring with some more episodes there. But today we're going to be talking about what we're calling the Dornsife experience. Our first episode was really focused on. The application process, our second episode was a bit more focused on career pathways, and our last episode last week, we really focused on pre-health. So we've talked a lot about the academic, professional side of things. What I hope a lot of you want to hear is what our students are doing outside of the classroom and some of the really unique experiences that exist as a Dornsife student. So we are really pleased to welcome our three guests today. So we upped the ante. Instead of two guests, we have three, uh, Colleen, Tommy, and Sophia. Welcome to the show. Uh, What might be good is to start with each of an intro from the three of you. So Colleen, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about who you are and kind of your USC background?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you both for having me on today. Um, I've had some great experiences in Dornsife, and I just can't wait to share them with everyone out there who's listening. I'm a senior double majoring in human biology and NGOs and social change. I have a minor in health policy, and this year I started my progressive degree in public health at Keck School of Medicine, and I am originally from Corvallis, Oregon. So I hope that gives everyone a little background.
0: That's perfect. Thanks, Colleen. And we also have Sophia joining us. Sophia, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Hi everyone. Thanks for having me on today. Um, So my name is Sophia. I'm a senior. I'm majoring in economics and I have two minors, one in Middle East Studies and the second is Business Law. So that's in the Marshall School of Business. Um, I'm originally from Colombia. However, I did grow up predominantly in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia.
0: Fantastic. And last but not least, Tommy, welcome to the show.
4: Hello. Thank you so much, Mark. And thank you so much for inviting me. I'm a big fan of podcasts, so I can't wait to fall asleep to myself, to my own voice uh, this time around for the <laughs> session. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm Tommy. I'm a double major in history and international relations with a minor in philosophy. I'm from Irvine, California. We're known for Taco Bell and Wolf Farrell. I'm also the president of Unruh Associates, the political union at USC. And I do research with a professor named Viet Lin.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Tommy. And thank you all for joining us today. We're really excited to talk about some of the unique and interesting things that you've been able to engage with at USC Dornsife. I'll say right off the bat, because I think it's important to provide some context, and we get this question a lot when we're talking to students at events and when they see panels, is you're going to hear some really interesting experiences from all of our students. And it's going to sound like each of our students here have done a lot at USC. And that is true. What I think some students forget when they're listening to these stories is that sometimes these experiences are spread out over a few years. Sometimes they are, you know, isolated to maybe just a summer. Sometimes they're a year-long program. Sometimes they exist throughout your four years. So I do want to put that out there to the world that when you hear what our students are doing, don't be intimidated or pressured to feel like that when you get to USC, it's something you have to start right away and that you have to do all these things all at once. So just throwing that out there. One other thing I do want to mention, we're going to be approaching this podcast episode from a more state of normalcy. So we understand that things are a little bit uncertain with the COVID pandemic and how travel and other experiences have been affected. We want to bring you the perspective of what these programs operate like within their normal attributes. So uh, while we do recognize that some of these have been changing and morphing, we hope that by the time that you get to USC, some of these experiences will go back to what they used to look like, or at least a similar version. So I do want to put that out there as well. Let's go ahead and start. Actually, I'm going to change it up. Let's start with research, uh, because I think that's a question that we get so often is, how can I do research in blank? And how can I do research in this and that? And... Thankfully, all three of our guests here today have all done research in really different areas. So, I'd just love to hear a little bit about what your research was and kind of how you found it. I think it'd be really great for our audience to hear about that and really just any other tidbits or tips or pieces of advice that you have when engaging in research. So, uh, why don't, Colleen, why don't we start with you? And why don't you tell us a little bit about the research you've been able to do at USC Dornsife?
2: I think I bring a pretty wide um, array of research experience. I started my sophomore year in a molecular biology lab with Keck, and that's mm-hmm. just something I found exploring on actually the career portal. I was looking for research; um, it was advertised. I reached out. Um, I had I'd reached out to a couple different professors before that, and my advice for doing that is definitely do your homework before you reach out. Reach out to um, a faculty. A member or a professor because they get a lot of, obviously, student interest. And it's really important that you find a good fit for whatever lab you're looking for. So, I worked a year in a what you might call a wet lab doing more quantitative research. And that was really interesting for me as a biology student. But I, throughout college, realized I'm a little more interested in sort of social research. And so, this last summer, I've been working um, as a research assistant for the Dornsife Center for Economic and Social Research, and we're doing this five-year study on the health outcomes of people in public housing projects um, in South Central Los Angeles and how their environment is shaping their health outcomes. And Now it's turned into more of a COVID and food security study, which has been really, really interesting for me. And I've had a lot of support um, in both of my research experiences. Some great mentors have come from it. I've gotten funding and even four units of upper biology um, elective credit, which has helped me academically and has just made me really passionate about going into research in the future. So there's so many opportunities for students, whether you wanna work in a wet lab or a, or a social science lab, there's something for everyone out there.
1: I think Colleen's a great example of breaking that you know, image that research can only be done in like a scientific setting. Um, a lot of times we associate research with like labs and chemistry, but to sh- I mean your prime example that it can be done outside of that. I'm sure Sophia and Tommy will also share experiences that kind of break the traditional
0: idea of research. Yeah, certainly wanted to start with Colleen because you do bring that more traditional style of research, but I loved how the transition has happened where you've been able to incorporate other fields and also like the applicability of the research that you're doing and how it's having an actual effect on like the Los Angeles area or just in the communities around you. I think that that speaks to what types of benefits come from doing research not just for you as a student, but what kind of outcomes might also result from the type of research that you're doing as a student.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of times student students come into college with a preconception that, you know, research is just sort of a resume building must have as a pre-med or as a ex-kind of student, and really I found it as a way to explore my future career options and find mentors within the field and really narrow down my interests of what I like and honestly what I don't enjoy in research, and that has just been equally as helpful.
0: Yeah, we talked about that on the Career Pathways episode where internships can teach you what you want to do or what you don't want to do, and I think research does the same thing, what you do want to research and what you don't want to research because it might end up being your career someday. Um, Let's transition over to Sophia, uh, because now we're going to talk a little bit less about the more traditional research that we've been hearing about in natural sciences. But with Sophia and Tommy, we're really delving into more of the social science and humanities. So Sophia, do you want to talk a little bit about what your research was and some of the things that you took from that experience?
2: Yeah,
3: for sure. So one thing I want to point out is that at USC, you can really start doing research Honestly, from your first semester, right from the get-go.
0: Excellent point. Yeah,
3: so that's something that I didn't know right along with that social science research was a thing. I, like many other students, came in with the misperception that if I didn't have a lab coat and um, wasn't in the natural sciences, I wasn't going to be able to do research. That's not the case. So sophomore year, I was involved in the behavioral and experimental economics lab. So it's also called the B-Lab. Um, and I worked um, doing field research in the Northgate market um, across Los Angeles. And I was investigating different healthy eating choices and how that might change across different socioeconomic levels. And so I found that really interesting because I had the field research component and then I'd come back into the lab and right. I would analyze different surveys and how um, I had mentors that would teach me how to use all these different programs. And so I really learned a lot in that year that I did it. Um, But also another thing that I really liked about my research opportunity was I found out about it through my academic advisor. And so what's really great about your academic advisor, I feel like is the moment you express interest in something you want to do, they keep that in the back of, of their mind. And in my case, my academic advisor would send me like weekly emails with just like a list of either uh, professors I could go to or research labs I could apply to, so that was a really nice way to find out about the B Lab. Um, and I was also a student worker, which for my international students out there, you know, that it can be a little stressful uh, finding a place where to work because it does have to be on campus usually. And so that was really nice. I got that extra um, income. Uh, to spend. So not complaining about that. And I learned a lot along the way. So yeah.
0: Extra income doesn't hurt. And I also heard in Colleen (laughs) that you got course credit. So in research, we're getting course credit. Sometimes we're getting money. Not a bad thing. So now going over to Tommy, especially in the field of humanities, this is a question that we hear constantly. And so what I think would be really nice for our audience to hear about is you know what is what does humanities research look like to you but also what's the experience that you got as part of being a humanities student at USC in research.
4: Yeah absolutely I think it's important to define what research is. You know I feel like it's about discovering new questions and in the pursuit of new answers. I mean those history books didn't write themselves. It's about finding the silence in history, finding out which voices were left out and creating a narrative plenitude in which we have a majority of history and the voices that we can represent. And being a humanities major doing research is exactly about that. It's like Indiana Jones, but without the diseases and, you know, chance of death. And so, I'll find those connections in history and humanities. Uh, so, I've done a, a couple of history projects and all, all uh, research projects, but I've also been a research assistant for a professor as well, which you can do. And I think that's an absolutely great way to immerse yourself in a professor's research in becoming and having them become a mentor in learning their expertise and their knowledge. Uh, I'm a research assistant for Professor Viet Wynn, Nguyen, who is an American studies professor and English professor. And it's been amazing. I mean, the guy has the same last name as me. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner, MacArthur fellow genius. So, you have some really amazing faculty at USC that you can look up to and really immerse yourself with their research. But you don't have to follow in their tracks either. You can do research independently on your own, but with supervision. This summer, I was able to do a research project on the 1992 uprising in Los Angeles. Looking at the intersectionality between the Korean American, African American, Latinx community with the Los Angeles Police Department. So there's so many things that you can do research in. It's about finding that path that you really enjoy. Excellent. Yeah. What
0: What a great summation of just the idea of research. One other area that we get a lot of inquiries about when it comes to research is just access. So it seems like the three of you have been able to find research in areas that you're interested in and been able to communicate with professors and find labs that you can do work in that you really enjoy. One other area that I'm sure a lot of our students have questions about is funding for research. And so I know we at USC Dornsife have a pretty robust funding program when it comes to research. Do any of you receive any research grant funding through like SOAR or SURF or any of those programs?
3: Yeah, I actually did. Um, So not for the research in the B Lab, but actually for my Maymester, which was kind of a two in one uh, combination that I got my spring semester of my freshman year. So just a quick summary um, for those of you who don't know, a Maymester is a class that is included in your spring tuition. So it's technically a spring class, but you don't take it until that following summer. And so the summer of my freshman year, I stayed on campus um, and I took a course called global consumer culture and China. So I spent two weeks after finals learning about the history of globalization, the history of China. And then with a small class, I think we were around 10 to 12 students and a professor. Uh, we traveled to China and we spent two weeks in Beijing, Shanghai. And then three middle to low tier cities. I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names because I absolutely butcher them every single time. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of traveling in China and I got to do a group research about the effects of globalization on coffee consumer culture across hmm. these different high, middle and low tier cities in China. So that was really interesting. And it was kind of like study abroad, research um, packed together and I received funding for that. I received SOAR, Um, and so I was able to travel to China and spend my two weeks there essentially free of charge. Um, So that was a really great experience I never thought I'd be able
1: to do. I will say this is a great transition into the next bucket that we wanted to talk about, and we get a lot of questions about, which is study abroad, and how that like fits in with Not just like what sort of opportunities are presented but also like in regards to like financial aid. I know that's a very popular question like does financial aid cover city abroad? So like as we continue this conversation, um, I know Colleen you have quite a bit of city abroad experience, if you want to talk a little bit about that as well along with obviously the opportunities that you had when you went international.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I am a good example of really making the most of all the study abroad opportunities that Dornsife has to offer. My freshman year, I took a Maymester. um, At the time, I was biochemistry, but I took a Maymester um, in nonprofits and international nonprofits. I went to New York and DC for that. And we got to speak with the UN and Human Rights Watch and Planned Parenthood. It was incredible. And then I ended up adding the major. So that was definitely an effective marketing (laughs) tool for them. Um, But then... I also, the sophomore after my summer year, did what's called a problems without passports course. Um, It's a research course. It's four units and it's during the summer. And I um, went to Oxford. It's, um, It's taught at Oxford and it features a lot of international health experts in public policy and some of the most incredible doctors out there. And it's called the biology of health from a global perspective. And I received SURF funding, which is basically the summer equivalent of what Sophia was talking about with SOAR. So I had my entire tuition for that covered. Um, And all I had to finance was um, airfare. And um, we wrote a research paper based on the different talks that we were um, attending at Oxford. And we had a lot of really cool experiential um, components, like we went to a tropical... Um, a, a medicinal tropical garden. And we went to some of the oldest um, hospitals in, in the UK. And we had a free weekend and I got to go to Paris. Not it was enough. incredible. Um, <laughs> and I learned a lot about, about international health. And I actually now um, have a global health like concentration for my master's in public health next year. So it really inspired me to, to follow that career path. And Dornsife um, has been really supportive in financing all of this because study abroad is not, it, it seems a lot of times inaccessible. And I can also speak to using financial aid um, or your merit scholarship in just traditional study abroad. So last spring, um, prior to COVID times, I went abroad to um, university in Melbourne in Australia Um, I luckily traveled for about two months beforehand because they're on a different sort of semester Mm -hmm. where they don't start until late February. So I traveled with some friends um, that I knew that were going in the program. We went to Thailand and the Philippines and New Zealand, and I had an incredible time there. And I had about four weeks at the University of Melbourne in person. I fell in love with it. I actually got an internship with um, a stem cell ethics lab there. Um, There's a lot of connections between um, a lot of the study abroad programs at USC and the the universities abroad. So I had no trouble finding a mentor there. And even when I had to come home in March, I continued working for her um, virtually, helping with some of that international research. And while I did have to take classes online and the time zone differences were a little weird with Australian time. I got to listen to Australian accents for my professors, which <laughs> I think was a win. Because even if I didn't want to be listening to lecture online, at least it was an Australian accent. Um and I still get the course credit that I needed. I took some really cool classes. And it was study abroad was always something that I really had in my in my mind as something that was really a crucial part of my college experience. I I wanted to immerse myself in another culture and I think in many ways, whether through the PWP or through my time in Australia, I was able to do that. And I'm just really thankful for that.
0: Where where haven't you gone, Colleen? feels like you've been all
4: over the world. (laughs) (laughs) I know.
2: You know, what's funny is the first time I actually went abroad was like sophomore year with my mom. And then I think I got what's called the travel bug. And then I just found every single possibility at USC to make that happen.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm glad you had all those experiences. That's really great. Uh, yeah, and just to, just to backpedal a bit, because I know we've talked about SOAR and SURF, I do want to put out the definitions of what those two are, because here at USC, we love to use acronyms, and sometimes we forget to explain them. So as I threw out these terms and didn't explain them, I wasn't really doing my job. So we have SOAR, which is the Student Opportunities for Academic Research, and SURF, the Summer Undergraduate Research Fund. So these are both funding programs funded directly from USC Dornsife to give students the financial means to get involved in research and travel and other areas that they didn't feel like they wouldn't be able to do with their own resources. And as someone coming from the outside, again, I didn't come to USC for my undergraduate experience. That was something that really stood out to me about not just USC, but the Dornsife College is... How much of their resources are put toward undergraduate students to get involved in these opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have at other universities or other colleges even within USC? I don't know how you all feel about that.
4: No, the resources are amazing for undergraduates. And I just want to add something else in terms of study abroad too, is that you know, USC is not USC without the city of Los Angeles. And I, you know, if you're worried about fitting study abroad in your schedule or anything like that, we are in one of the biggest post-diverse cities in the entire world. So, if you, you know, so true. So, you can, you know, we, there's class field trips in all different classes. I was able to go to the Getty Museum, to go to Little Tokyo, to go to Little Ethiopia with my professors and really taste, you know, food's the best medium for experiencing all these things as well. And so, if you're worried about, you know, putting study abroad in a semester, don't worry because you can do it every single weekend as well. But there's nothing like what Colleen's saying, like traveling around the world, though.
1: I definitely agree, and I feel like for a lot of students, especially those like who are coming from out of the state or out of the country, coming to USC is a version of their study abroad. It's like a four-year-long study abroad, and I feel like there's no better place than the SoCal area, where you're in such close proximity to bigger cities like San Francisco, San Diego, um, and if you really want to go abroad, you could always go to like, Canada or Mexico as well. Um, you know, like weekend trips. Um, so I definitely agree with Tommy. I feel like that's how I took advantage of my like studying abroad, quote unquote.
3: Yeah, Anisha, I could not have said that better. um I mean, I had never spent an extended period of time in the U.S. and and I'm still exploring L.A. every single weekend. And although I hate to say it, I'm a senior, so that just goes to show like how much there is to explore. Um, so yeah, I. I completely agree with what you said.
0: These are all excellent points. Thank you all for contributing to that conversation. Tommy mentioned the community aspect of what's offered through USC Dornsife. And I think that's a nice transition into the service learning piece that is a real big part of the student experience. You know, there are a lot of students that participate in research and there are a lot of students that participate in study abroad, but I also find that there's... And I could be wrong about this, so you all can correct me as actual USC Dornsife students. But I feel like one of the really unique and endearing qualities about the Dornsife community is the dedication to progressing society and the communities around us forward. And I think a lot of that is done through just being out in Los Angeles and participating in programs that really... Make a marked impact on whatever community it is that you're involved with, or the people that you're talking to. Um, and Tommy really summed it up well about the melting pot that exists within Los Angeles. It's, I, I think, uh, Ardina said it a few times. Like Los Angeles is the perfect laboratory for all the things that we're doing at Dornsife. And Tommy, just to go back to you, since you were the one that was that brought up the point about this dedication to the community. You know, I know you've done some service learning opportunities, so I think it'd be great for the people listening to hear about what you were involved in and what kind of impact you were able to make through it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. When I first came to USC, I was kind of confused. I was like, I thought this was a university, but yeah, I'm seeing so many elementary kids and like middle school kids on campus. And that just shows a testament to how much of an open campus USC is to its community in allowing students from all over South Central Los Angeles to find USC is also a place for, you know, advancement and acceleration for their learning as well. Uh so the program that I did was teach uh, TERP, which, which stands for Teaching International Relations Program. And so you go to local high schools around USC. I went to Fauche High School, which is a couple blocks down from USC. So if you're from Fauche, you know, shout out, love the kids there uh, or students there. So I taught you know theories in international relations and so forth. It was really exciting. It was really meaningful. It was a great way to apply all the things I learned in class in a service-oriented way. But it's, all, it's also not just towards, you know, high school students, middle school students. There's a lot of programs for that, trust me, there's endless amounts. If you want to get into that, totally. But I was also part of a program called the Prison Education Project, where we went to incarceration facilities around California, and we taught college mathematics, astronomy with a professor to incarcerated students. And that was such a meaningful experience to really understand their experiences, especially during a time, during a very stressful time in their lives, and, you know, going back into society, that was extremely meaningful.
0: A quick shout, out, uh, quick shout out to G, who was on our Pre-Health Podcast episode and talked about the Prison Education Project as well. So it's great to hear that perspective too. Colleen, I know you had some service learning experience as well through the Joint Education Project and would love to hear about that experience.
2: Yeah, so my freshman year, I found JEP, I think, like many students do at the involvement fair, and it just seemed like a great way to immediately get to know the surrounding community considering that I was going to be here for four years and I wanted to feel a part of it and that I was contributing um, to that community. So I taught um, what's called health for life. Um, I taught um, health education to, to a very rowdy classroom of kindergartners. And then um, the following semester, I taught first graders and trying to wrestle a bunch of kids um, and Teach them, <laughs> teach them about um, health and um, healthy eating and activity and um, especially given that, you know, our neighborhood um, doesn't have a ton of like opportunity, I think, for physical activity and healthy eating. I felt like I really was uh, making a difference in these kids' lives and that gave me a great sense of purpose. And then I ended up doing JEP, I think, every single year or at least for one semester for just some of my classes so I got extra credit by teaching basic levels of um, whatever course content um, I was learning at the time. So I did it for um, a GE that I was taking on American citizenship, and now I'm right now I'm making videos actually for my biochemical nutrition class, very much you know simplified because I'm teaching um, third and fourth graders, but it still allows me to honestly process some of what I'm learning in class and try and relate it to um, kids in elementary schools and. Um, just provide, I think, a more holistic learning and connect with um, students, just especially considering the amazing um, education resources I had growing up. I recognize that um, there's a reason I I got to where I am at USC and it wasn't necessarily my own doing. It was a lot of the mentors and the sport I had. So that um, definitely gives me a sense of purpose even now and is a great way to connect. Even when I'm doing in my own research, you know, I'm doing research on Um, the health outcomes of um, older people um, in Los Angeles and it means a lot to be able to teach some of those healthy habits to students at a younger age. Not to mention get extra credit in very hard science classes. That's a win.
1: That can't hurt you. Um... No, I definitely think JT is great. I've done JT as well. I think one of the great things about it is it shows you like real life applications of what you're learning because it can get so, sometimes it can get really monotonous. I mean, you're taking 16 to 18 units and you're kind of just studying into some tests, studying into some tests. When you actually go and step into the real world, you see a small part of like how what you're learning in school can really be applied and it makes you feel good. Um, and, you know, makes you feel like you can actually have a very tangible career no matter what you're learning in the humanities, social sciences, natural sciences, which I think is actually a fantastic segue um, into our final component, which is, you know, how do we apply everything that we've learned in these past four years um, to actually be able to graduate and have a, you know, successful, meaningful career? And I think one of the great starting points is internships. And I know I've received a bunch of questions before, and I myself have so many questions about internship experiences. Primarily, how do you how do you get them? Um, and so, if Sophia, you want to you know go ahead and start us off on your internship experiences and how you kind of went about like navigating and finding them.
3: Yeah, I'd love to. So, my sophomore year, I added my Middle East Studies minor. I've always been super passionate about the region, obviously growing up there. Um, And so I went to my Middle East studies academic advisor and expressed my interest in kind of wanting to see, you know, do I want to pursue a full-time career down more so economics or Middle East studies. And so, again, shout out to my academic advisor. She sent me a list of internship opportunities um, that had to do with Middle East studies. And one of them was with the National Council on U.S.-Arab Relations in Washington, D.C. I applied and was very fortunate um, to receive an offer. And so that internship was really cool. It was 10 weeks um, in D.C. over my sophomore year summer, and it kind of had three components to it. Um, One, I was able to take classes with Dr. John Duke-Anthony, He is a world renowned scholar. He was present at the creation of the Gulf Corporation Council and the United Arab Emirates. And I completely nerded out as soon as I met him. (laughs) He is just, I'm still blown away by him to this day. Um, and so to have, you know, created that relationship, that professional relationship with him over the summer was life changing, honestly. Um, the second component was kind of like field trips to different embassies. Um, different museums. And the third component was a sub internship. So I also interned uh, simultaneously for the US Cutter Business Council, and I was a research intern for them. Um, so that's kind of how I got involved in my Middle East Studies internship. And then my junior year, although I very much enjoyed um, my previous internship, I kind of wanted to try a different route. And so another way I found um, that you can get internships is through your extracurricular activities. Um, And I think that's one thing that people often forget, like, yes, your extracurricular activities are a great way to meet people and have fun, but they're also really great at networking. Um, Sounds a little bit cheesy, but the Trojan family is extremely strong. And so I'm part of the Latino Student Business Association and Bain & Company, which is a management consulting firm. Um, they were recruiting for a diversity program they had for juniors, um, specifically Latinos and African-American students. And so I applied and was fortunate to get that and then interned with them um, my junior year summer. And now I will be working for them full time. So really, my... Um, So, really, I just want to say thank you to my academic advisor and extracurricular organizations because, you know, they helped me kind of find out my passion and what I want to do. uh, And congratulations
0: on that, too, by the way. (laughs) Just kind of slipped that in there. Thank you. you. Uh, Tommy, you've also participated in an internship, and it's one you've told me about a few times, and I've always been really intrigued by it. So, I think it'd be great if the audience also heard about it a little bit.
4: Yeah, definitely. So, I've been. In a number of internships this summer, uh, looking into the kind of ins and outs of government service. So I've been a legislative intern for State Senator Holly J. Mitchell, who represents the second district of California, which encompasses USC, South Central Los Angeles, and downtown Los Angeles. I'm also an intern for Congresswoman Katie Porter, who represents the 45th district in California in Congress. It's been so amazing to learn about government service. I really think we should all Know a little bit more about politics, especially during a time right now with the election, and learn how to you know, support our country and to really learn how to be leaders in the public sector. And these internships have been amazing. They're, they were all the best part too is that they were all super well funded by USC and by the Office of Academic Honors and Fellowships and their Center for Political Future. So, you know, in terms of getting these internships, I had a lot of support for USC. You know, when the pandemic first hit, a lot of government internships were canceled. And there was a lot of despair between a lot of the students about you know, finding a way to learn a little bit about gov- government service. But the Center for Political Future and USC really stepped forward in adapting to this virtual environment. And I'm sure that when, when, when everything becomes normal, it's going to be just as better and even more in, in terms of finding these internships. But it was such a meaningful experience to learn about you know, government service, policy, legislation, and so forth.
1: That's so interesting. I think you're also a great example of showing how you can really pursue some very meaningful uh, internships like from the humanities. And I love that like USC stepped in to support you. I know another source is the Gateway Internship Program and they support, you know, people working in like the nonprofit sector or anyone really pursuing an unpaid internship. So even if you are, you know, not getting funding from your internships themselves, USC does come through and really does try to put their best foot forward in helping you support your finances through the summer very
4: interesting yeah absolutely in terms of funding for internships you know there's a first generation uh scho- scholarship for you know summer internships offered by the career center as well so you know if there's a if there's money there's a way you know, there's a lot there's a lot of money flowing around it's just about finding the support and people to help you find those programs as well we've
0: covered all this variety of experiences and areas that you've been able to engage with as usc dornsife students Any last thoughts or pieces of advice or things to think about for our listeners as they decide where they want to apply for college or how to put experiences on their application, or even just looking forward to when they do become students in the undergraduate experience, how to best seek out opportunities like that so they too can gain experience and value from some of the things they're able to do outside of the classroom? And this is for anybody to answer.
3: Yeah, I think... One of the biggest things is it's completely okay to try, you know, try a research opportunity or a Mess or whatever and absolutely hate it. Like I know on this podcast, it sounds like we were all lucky that we loved so far, you know, the opportunities that we've had at USC. But I think also those experiences, which you may not particularly enjoy um, or may not be your passion, those are great too, because that helps narrow down, you know, what, what you want to do with your life. What are your actual passions? Um, personally, when I came to USC, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I think I changed my minors 50 times and joined a bunch of extracurricular activities. And it takes it takes a second. It takes a second to find your own path. And that is completely normal. Do not put so much pressure on yourself to get it right the first time round. Coming in as a freshman, you're a freshman, like give yourself some leeway, really enjoy um, all the opportunities USC has to offer. And, you know, if you love it, that's amazing. Keep going with it. If it's not for you, completely okay, take a step back and, you know, reroute. Um, I think that's a very big piece of advice that I've learned along the way.
0: I'm silently clapping because I don't want it to be on the (laughs) podcast, but I want to show you that I appreciate what you said. Uh, Colleen or Tommy, anything to add?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I would echo a lot of what she said about seeing the value in things that maybe you don't enjoy. For example, my first lab, I realized I'm not super into like, you know, the wet lab experience, and that in itself was really um, insightful for me. But also, I want to stress that um, I think experiential learning. That's such a buzzword, um, but like some of these opportunities, like May Masters and Problems Without Passports and Study Abroad, might seem like superfluous or like you're not getting an internship that summer, so are you really furthering your career? But for me, it's been even more valuable than maybe having like a career or work experience those summers because it allowed me to explore what I'm actually interested in to begin with. And I've had some of the most like profound, like learning through those classes, which is obviously valuable in itself. And a lot of times they were experiences that maybe didn't fit exactly with my like major or what I thought I wanted to do. Um, like taking a nonprofits class when I was a biochem major, maybe made no sense at the time, but it was, it turned out to be really insightful. And so don't be afraid to try new things and explore because honestly, that's like, this sounds very cheesy as well, but that's what Dornsife is all about because there is such a wide variety of majors and academic opportunities. So take your time at USC to just explore. Don't stress about like finding the perfect resume building internship or job and enjoy it while it lasts because I'm sad and nostalgic <laughs> now as a senior and I wish I could study abroad forever.
4: Tommy, anything to wrap up with? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say that, you know, these are very uncertain times, but when we do move on from this, it's not going to get any better in terms of that uncertainty. That's what college is, you know, to not know what's going to happen the next semester or the next year. And that can be a source of stress for a lot of people. It was for me. But to take advantage of that, to embrace that uncertainty, to to, take advantage of these opportunities, there's no perfect pathway to take advantage of the opportunity at USC. They'll just come naturally. That's the beautiful thing about life, about going to college. So it's about, you know, taking up those opportunities and band when they come up. But until then, work hard, enjoy yourself and find stuff that you really enjoy in college. I'm sure everyone watching, listening to this podcast has worked so hard to get where they are and are going to keep working hard to get into the college that they want. But when you get there, take a take a breath, enjoy yourself, but really take advantage of those opportunities.
0: And that's part of the college application experience, right? It's relishing in your achievements. And sometimes achievements don't come in the form of awards or research opportunities or funding and scholarships. Sometimes they come in the value and the joy that you get out of doing things that you love. And whether that's academic or not, those are things we want to see on the application because that tells us the most about you and it shows us what you value and the experiences that you've had that really propel you to where you're going to go in your undergraduate experience, but it also differentiates you because it's your story. I think Anusha has said this almost on every episode that we've had so far. It's the application is your way to tell us your unique story and not somebody else's. So I really appreciate Sophia, Colleen, and, and Tommy, your insight on that because it's all different, just like all the applications are going to read. Everybody you know brings something new to the table. So I want to quickly thank all of our guests today, Sophia, Colleen, and Tommy once again. It was a joy to have you here and it was a great conversation. So we really appreciate your insight and your input. We are wrapped up for episode four. We have one more episode left. I can't believe we're almost done with the first half of our first season. It has gone by so quickly. So for those of you listening, our next episode, which will come out next week we'll focus completely on question and answer. So Anusha and I are going to go through all the questions that we've gotten at our programs, questions that we've gotten emailed from students, and we are just going to sit down and bust through as many as we can so that you feel like once you've listened to all five, you have a great, here's that word again, holistic look at what USC Dornsife is and what we're able to offer you as an incoming student. So we're going to wrap up today. Thank you all for listening. And we hope that you will... Check us out next week for our last episode of the fall.